The views and opinions of shows on KCNR are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only, and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of KCNR Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, and you are tuning in to Therapy in a Nutshell here on KCNR 96.5 FM, 1460 AM, your talk radio. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Patty, and we're going to be talking about sarcasm. Some of you are going, oh, in a sarcastic way, right? (laughs) The reason I wanted to talk about this is I see this as an issue in my office all the time. I see it with friends. I see it with myself. It is something that is far-reaching, and it affects relationships. In my office with clients, I have been known to ground people from sarcasm. You are not allowed to use it at all because they misuse it, they abuse it, they abuse others with it, and they don't totally understand uh, the extent to which sarcasm can harm a relationship or or hurt people. So I want you to listen to this show, and I want you to kind of put your sarcasm aside for a minute, and I want you to embrace this and take a good, hard look at yourself. Because by the end of the show, you might decide whether you use sarcasm or not, whether you use it effectively or not, or whether you are abusive, downright abusive, which a lot of people are. Um, Sarcasm comes from the Greek word ripping the flesh, and there's a reason why. It comes from that. It's it's a type of humor. It's a type of communication that uh, is used to mock people or show contempt. When you combine sarcasm with irony, you use the irony is where uh, you're saying the opposite of what you think. Sarcasm is where you are mocking or contemptuous, and it's often displayed by tone of voice. Uh, If you're trying to be funny, it might be a a wry little smile or a twinkle in your eyes. But when you combine it with irony, it ends up being sometimes misunderstood and sometimes just hysterical. Uh, Let me give you an example of an ironic, sarcastic remark. Somebody walks in really late, and you look at them and say, Ah, glad you're so on time. Aren't you early? Now, everybody in the room might laugh, and the person might go, ha, 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 because you're saying the opposite. Aren't you on time? And you're saying it in that sarcastic, sometimes the lilt at the end of your voice. Um, And what you might be trying to do is subtly shame the person for being late, mocking them that they can't be on time, Uh, showing your superiority that you're already sitting there because you're so good and you're on time. And you can see all the repercussions of something that simple of a statement. Okay? So, sarcasm can work in a relationship when the relationship is good. Okay? If you are what I call current in a relationship, which means there's not a whole lot of hidden feelings, there's not a lot of animosity built up and a lot of abuse that has happened that you are trying to ignore or forget, then you're current, you're right there with that person right there right now, then sarcasm, a little bit of sarcasm can be funny 
and everybody giggles and laughs. So you two, it's a it's a inside joke, and you both laugh. That can be really bonding. But when sarcasm is used as a subtle form of a put down, or as a I'm don't want to say what I really feel kind of thing, then it can be passive aggressive. And by that I mean you really feel something, but you don't want to say it out loud, so you make a sarcastic kind of comment. So let me give you an example um, how it can be difficult. Uh, my dad was extremely bright. He was an electronical engineer. And every time I saw him when I hadn't seen him for a while, like I'd go back down to L.A. to see my parents, my dad would have to make a comment about my weight. He'd either tell me I lost weight or he thought I gained weight or aren't those jeans just a little bit too tight or he'd make some kind of sarcastic sort of comment and I would always laugh it off. But inside, I would think, oh, my dad's going to make a comment and I would start to dread seeing him and he only did it in the first five minutes of seeing me. So as I would walk up to him when I hadn't seen him in a while, there'd be this deep dread And I can remember that happening as young as 20 and as old as 40-something, okay? So that kind of sarcasm was hurtful. Yet if I had shown my displeasure or made a snarky remark or something like that, I would have been told I couldn't take a joke. And so it was hurtful information, but I was supposed to think it was funny. I see that a lot in families. I watch it unfold in my office where couples can be sarcastic to each other or one person will say a very heartfelt, difficult thing to say and the other one will quip a sarcastic, ironic, sardonic sort of quip back where they are trying to lighten the mood, negate what the person said, look innocent, put the person down, and actually make a passive-aggressive comment that is supposed to relate to what the person said. So you can see how complicated sarcasm is. Um, It is something that can cross cultures but does not always translate well into other languages. How we as Americans might use sarcasm might be very different how another culture uses it. Uh, And while we're talking about that, let's take a second to say, Sarcasm does not translate well in writing. When you text a sarcastic remark or when you email a sarcastic remark, it is the tone of voice isn't there, the little twinkle in your eyes isn't there. Even if you put a cute little emoji like LOL or a little smirky face or something like that, it does not always translate well that you're joking. So be careful when you use that kind of humor in writing because you might really inadvertently hurt somebody, and they might not ever tell you, okay? So what you've got to stop and say is, do I use sarcasm? Where did I learn it? Some families are known for it. They start training kids from a very young age. Although, think about it. Little tiny kids don't do sarcasm. If you said to a two- or three-year-old, oh, yeah, be sure and leave the door open when you leave, Because what you're really trying to say is, you never close the door and I'm telling you to close the door. A two or three-year-old will leave the door open because you told them to leave the door open. Because they're very literal. What you say is what you mean. Now that happens also for people who who have issues in processing. Like, for example, if someone has dementia, 
or Alzheimer's, or like my husband Rich who had frontal temporal degeneration and his frontal lobe was disintegrating. He didn't always catch the humor that was trying to be said in sarcasm. Um, sometimes autistic kids or kids on the spectrum won't catch sarcasm because they'll take it as extremely literal. So you have to know that. And some people are just really, really blind to that. So today we're going to really unpack sarcasm. And we're going to look at how it affects you and your relationship. And by the end of this show, I want to give you some ways to consider letting go of sarcasm in your life. Even if you just do that thing I do in my practice where I'm grounding you from sarcasm, and you're not allowed to use it for a week or two. It is hard. If you're someone who uses sarcastic comments constantly, it's hard to stop. But when you stop, you start to realize just how much you use sarcasm in your life. It's interesting. Um, So let's go to break, and when we get back, we're going to talk more about just how sarcasm can be abusive. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patty. You're listening to the incredibly beautiful music of Randy McGinnis, Native American flutist. This is a song called Rain off of his CD called The Journey. I feel very blessed to play on that CD with Randy McGinnis, and that's me playing a mean rain stick on that song. (laughs) On number eight, you can hear me play Didgeridoo, and on number nine... Nigohila, which in Cherokee means always. Uh, that's me playing a deep bass flute with Randy playing a beautiful A flute. Okay, you can listen to Randy McGinnis' stuff at randymcginnis.com, CD Baby, iTunes, Amazon, um, Spotify, Pandora. He's got all the stations, and his music is incredible. Thank you, Randy, for allowing us to play your music on this show. Okay, guys, we're talking about sarcasm and we really need to, to look at this because it is so harmful to relationships. Those of you that use sarcasm in your everyday life need to understand that there are a whole lot of people in this world that really, really do not like sarcasm. It's painful for them. They feel stuck when people are sarcastic because they either are supposed to laugh, and if they don't laugh, then they can't take a joke and they take things too seriously, or they have to pretend that it's okay. Or they have to jump in and try to match the humor with their own sarcasm, which is not like them. So by the end of the show, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why it's a good idea to practice not being sarcastic, because it teaches you how not to be. One of the most maladaptive things I see about sarcasm is that people use it to distance themselves from others. In order to not use sarcasm, you have to understand how you really feel. And then you have to understand what you really mean. And then you have to be brave enough to stand in your truth. Sarcasm is a way of not standing in your truth. I have a dear friend, Patty Taylor, who told me of something really cool that she learned as an educator. She learned that there's a thing called JARS, J-A-R-S, which is jealousy, leads to anger, leads to resentment, leads to sarcasm. And that's something that's easy for us to remember. And 
reason I'm talking to you about sarcasm today is because so much of it is based in those unhealthy emotions. Now, if any of you have listened to my shows on anger and things like that, you'll recognize that I say those are righteous emotions. And when you feel jealousy, anger, and resentment, you're feeling something important. I use that as a call to consciousness. If you're feeling jealousy or anger or resentment, stop, hold that dog poop in your hands, and say, what am I feeling underneath this? How did this get in my hands? Where does it come from? And when I say, what am I really feeling? I mean, what's really underneath the jealousy, anger, and resentment? If you flip off a sarcastic remark, that is your attempt to distance from that emotion and not use that as a call to consciousness and go deeper and say, I was embarrassed, Um, I was scared, it made me really fearful, I thought you didn't like me, so I felt like that, or I feel like I'm inadequate, so I'm jealous of what you do or what you have. It's really important to look underneath. It's your call to consciousness, and it's how you grow. People are kind of afraid of growing sometimes, okay? So that's what we're talking about. All right. Let's look again at the cultural issue. Some cultures can use sarcasm and joking around and and irony, but if another person tries to use their cultural comment, they can be thought as, it can be thought as bad. Uh, For example, in the black culture, they'll often call each other uh, disparaging words for their race, and they can do that joking around, and they get that. Someone else trying to do that is not part of their culture, and it's not okay. I'll give you a really good example. Um, My husband, Rich, who passed away, was Jewish. And when he'd get together with his Jewish friends, they would instantly start insulting each other in Yiddish. And it was really kind of funny. Um, They'd call each other words that if uh, my producer knew what I was saying, he would beat me. But since he probably doesn't speak Yiddish, he wouldn't know what I was saying. (laughs) But when I'd listen to them insult each other... No one else could do that. They were Jewish. They spoke some Yiddish, at least, enough to insult each other. And it was funny for them. They'd all start uproariously laughing when they called themselves horrible names in Yiddish. When I asked Rich, what did you call him? He goes, I don't want to know. And so I'll tell you what I said. And he'd tell me, and it was kind of funny. But not to me, but to them. So what I'm trying to tell you is sometimes that sarcasm doesn't translate into other people's culture. So be careful. It's, uh, it's, it's sacred to some cultures, some religions, some languages. All right. Let's look at the self-deprecating way that sarcasm is used to make people feel better about themselves. By self-deprecating, I mean putting yourself down. So if you have kind of... Uh, insecurity about something, you might throw out how you feel about that. For example, let's say you're having a real bad hair day, and you go, oh, my hair looks good, doesn't it? You're being ironic. You're saying the opposite of what you really feel. You're being sarcastic because you're you're trying to throw out there, it's not really what I like. Uh, and you say it with that tone of voice that's disparaging to yourself. Now, sometimes people do that to look humble or to look like they're not real full of themselves or because they are feeling really insecure about that zit on their face or their hair looking bad 
or what they think are their fat thighs or that they feel old. I have a friend, and he knows who he is, and he's probably listening. Hi. He always says, that's me because I'm old. He makes an old joke probably every time you talk to him. And he really means it, and he's joking, and he has really good self-esteem. But that's his way of being sarcastic and self-deprecating to himself. Now, what happens when you say to your girlfriend, oh, my gosh, look at my hair. It looks so good today, doesn't it? And your girlfriends all go, no, no, it looks fine. You're great. You look so cute. Was that a way that you were searching for reassurance and validation by using sarcasm and by flipping it out there almost like you're joking or like you're really searching? So that brings up a really important point with sarcasm. When you are sarcastic, you are assuming that the people you're talking to understand what you mean. Okay? And that's dangerous at times. All right, all of you couples out there, how often does sarcasm work when you're trying to win the upper hand with your partner? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Not very often. It gets you in trouble, doesn't it? Because you are seen as not serious. You're not really listening. You're trying to make a joke out of it. You're trying to lighten the conversation inappropriately. And they feel not heard and probably pretty irritated that you expressed your dissatisfaction with them in a sarcastic way. So, now I do this in my office often enough with sarcasm that I will see one of the partners and and I'm truly not trying to be prejudiced here, but often the man, because men are taught to use sarcasm as a way of uh, pushing their feelings underneath because it's not okay for them to get their feelers hurt or not okay for them to be sad or to uh, get their, you know, just, just feel bad about something someone says. So men often use sarcasm as a way of lightening the conversation. I'll give you a really good example. Men are mean to each other, you guys. Women would never walk up to each other and go, got a beer gut there going. Men will walk up to each other and go, look a little chubby, dude. You've been drinking too much beer. Or, hey, lost a little more hair since I saw you last. They put each other down. And they're sarcastic when they do it. They flip things around. And uh, like, like it would be unusual for a man to walk up to another man and go, Looking as skinny as you did in high school, dude. And he's got a big old beer belly. And they're being sarcastic and ironic all at the same time. And that man is expected to come back with a quip that puts the other man down and to laugh. It's male humor. And they would say, you guys just don't understand what we mean. And women are going, we would never say that to each other. Because we instinctively know it truly hurts their feelings. So sarcasm can be wounding. It can leave you bleeding, which is why it's called the ripping of flesh. Sometimes it can be funny. But here's the thing that's super important about sarcasm. If you do use it as a sense of humor, it needs to be used like salt. If you put a pinch of salt in the dish, you can make that dish taste better. You dump the whole bottle in the dish and you ruin it. And sarcasm ruins relationships. It ruins communication. It doesn't work. 
Ask any preschool teacher. It does not work to use sarcasm on people who take things literally like little tiny kids. And what's what's really interesting is the ability uh, to understand sarcasm and the brain development for sarcasm really doesn't start to reach a good level until about 14 or 15. Now, we see little kids, like we'll say an 8- or 9-year-old has a really good sense of humor because this little 8- or 9-year-old has learned to develop some sarcastic wit because their family does it all the time. And we'll think they're super intelligent, which they probably are. But they don't necessarily always get it until they're older. So if you're using sarcasm on your little kids, you might really be hurting their feelings a lot. So let's look at the idea that if you don't use sarcasm, you have to be real with what you say. You think you might be disguising your insecurities, but sarcasm is actually a window into your soul. Um, When you're sarcastic with people, you are basically announcing your insecurities, you're announcing your hostilities, you are expressing to the room at large what your judgments are of people. So let's go back to the example of somebody's late for a meeting, and you're the sarcastic person who goes, see that you're on time again, and and you've got that sardonic tone in your voice, and the person kind of hangs their head in shame and goes, ah, yeah, you know, I, I tried, something like that. They're embarrassed. They feel bad. You look like I want to say the bad word that I'm going to get beeped on. You look like a bad person when you say that. You you don't look like you're really understanding. What if you said what you exactly were feeling? Uh, let's say it's Joe that's late. You go, Joe, you're late for the meeting. We would really appreciate if you'd show up on time so that we can all get started. Oh, whoa. Honesty? Straightforward? No sarcasm? That would be hard. So stop and take a look at yourself. Look at those around you. The people that are in your life that are super sarcastic, do you like being with them? Do they make you feel safe? Are they people you like to hang out with? Or does it get tiresome and old? Think about that. We're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about sarcasm some more. Be back. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patty, and we're talking about sarcasm. Okay, I want to talk to you about how I ground people from sarcasm and why I do that. I've already expressed to you a little bit that I see sarcasm really harm relationships because they are a disguise for your underlying feelings. It's a veil. If I feel angry or hurt or abandoned or not good enough or jealous, which is you have something I wish I had and I'm angry at you that you have it, which is different than envy. Envy is, wow, you have that and I'm so happy for you. And I'd love to have that too. But you don't um, covet it as if the person doesn't deserve it, which is envy is different than jealousy. So those are the things that you end up feeling badly about yourself and then sarcasm is an attempt to cover up what you really feel 
Okay. Now, sometimes I'm I'm not saying sarcasm is never cool, never fun. It is sometimes, but it's fun when it isn't hurtful. Like, for example, you would never be sarcastically funny about somebody's big nose or their big ears or their weight, right? Because you are thinking you're being funny, but you're actually being hurtful, okay? And that's what I'm talking about. Sarcasm in relationships is often an attempt to not be real because you either don't feel safe or you're super angry and there's no vehicle for you to resolve that conflict, so when I ground people from sarcasm, what I try to do first is I ask them to learn the skills to not use sarcasm. Like I don't want to tell people you don't get to be sarcastic and leave them with no tools in their tool bag because they probably would literally have to say nothing and not talk at all because it's really dysfunctional because they don't know what else to do. So if you're grounded from sarcasm, the first thing I challenge people to do is they have to know who they are. Who are you? What do you believe in? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What do you need to work on? Uh, what do you feel about things? Uh, what are your prejudices? What are your judgments? Um, who do you feel safe with? Is there a certain type of personality or people or group that you are unsafe with? You need to know these things about who you are. Because then when you know who you are, then you can stop and take a look at what do I truly feel? What do I truly believe? What's my truth? And then if you're going to talk, you have to mean what you say and say what you mean. And if you can't do that, if the only thing that comes to mind is an ironic comment, which is the opposite of what you really mean, or a sarcastic comment, which is uh, poking the bear and, you know, saying something that's kind of rude or, um, you know, just, I want to keep saying sarcastic, it's rude or sarcastic, that isn't the, the, what you really mean. You're trying to change it so that you are hiding behind that veil of sarcasm, sarcasm so that you're safe. So if you're grounded from sarcasm, you have to know who you are. You have to mean what you say and say what you mean. You don't get to hedge. You don't get to you know, sort of say it and sort of not. There's no hiding behind a joke. There's no pretending that it doesn't matter and, you know, you're just fine. Um, there's no double entendre, which is the double meaning where, all of a sudden I can't think of an example, but where you say something and it has kind of that double meaning of it could be taken as good or it could be taken as bad. There's no passive-aggressive anger. Passive-aggressive is where you passively say what you think people think you want to say, what you, they want. Wait, let me do that again. Passive-aggressive is when you passively say what you think others want you to say. But there's an aggressive undertone where you really are kind of angry. So sarcasm shows up as that insensitive insensitivity to others' needs and emotions. And you're trying to say something, but you don't want to be taken too seriously. Or if you are taken too seriously, you want to be able to quip out, I was just joking, or you're too sensitive, or can't you take a joke? Because you're trying to hide behind the veil of sarcasm. So when, in my office, when I've grounded clients from sarcasm, I say, look, you have to stop and say, how do I feel about this situation? And then I either have to speak my truth, or I have to practice silence. 
So let's say that the person walks into the meeting late. And what you want to say is, oh, nice of Sally to show up on time again. And you're really being sarcastic because Sally's always late. And you want to make sure you emphasize that Sally's always late. So you either have to speak your truth. Sally, when you're late, it makes us all wait for you and we don't get to start the meeting on time and we get out of here late. So we'd, I would appreciate it, speaking for myself, I would appreciate it if you would show up on time, please. That would be your truth, right? But you're covering it with sarcasm. So you either have to practice silence and say nothing, maybe because it's inappropriate because you're not Sally's boss. And maybe you need to, you know, just practice silence because Sally knows she's late. And you can't fix that for her. Sally has to fix it for herself. You can also choose to maybe go talk to Sally later in private, not in front of everybody, and not with sarcasm, and say, hey, can I talk to you about something that's really bothering me? You're often late for meetings, and it really annoys me because we get started so late, and I personally would wish you would show up on time. Is there anything I can do to help you to be on time? Ooh, what about that, instead of putting Sally down? Okay? So when I ground people from sarcasm... They have to stop and practice silence first off and say, oh, I was just about to quip out a nasty, sarcastic remark. Mm. They have to stifle themselves, which is not easy sometimes. Then they have to say, oh, why am I angry about this? Or why am I feeling hostile toward this person? Or why am I feeling inferior about myself? A lot of people are not developed enough to figure out how they feel, which is when Dr. Patty starts saying, this is a call to consciousness. When you have to use sarcasm to hide how you really feel, and you can't stop and say, how do I really feel, and answer yourself, you need to do some work. You need to grow because you are limited by your humor and your sarcasm and your irony and your Willingness to make a joke out of everything. So, instead of being allowed to be sarcastic, you have to practice silence. You have to go inside and say, who am I? What am I feeling right now? And you've all heard me talk about holding the dog poop. I don't call it what I really call it because I'll get beeped. (laughs) For some reason, beeping is a theme here today. (laughs) And when you have to hold the dog poop, which is you going... Oh, gosh, I'm trying to, I was going to be sarcastic there. Oh, all right, fine. I've got dog poop in my hands. What am I really feeling? Thanks, Patty, for making me look at what I'm really feeling. I hate looking at what I'm really feeling. You got it? It's hard. What's really interesting, you guys, is that people who are more developed, who are more intuitive to others, who like to practice living in a place of love instead of a place of fear, they tend to be far less sarcastic. Instead of teasing people about their big ears, or, hey, you got a beer gut there, George, you know, being horrible to other people, they tend to be loving and kind and straight up. Why? Why are some people straight up and live in their world with a little more love and a little more kindness And other people are sharp and joke around a lot and don't take things seriously and use sarcasm to quietly harm others and bring them down a peg so that they feel better about themselves. 
Okay. Now, I'm aware enough here to know that there's a lot of people out there right now going, oh, come on, Patty. Stop making such a big deal out of it. Sarcasm's funny. It's our whole family's sarcastic. We all do that to each other. I see that a lot. I want you to look around and find the one or two people in your family that really, really, really don't do well with sarcasm. It rips their flesh. It leaves them bleeding. And they walk away feeling less than and unloved. They walk away questioning who they are, how good they are. And they also feel that the rest of the family is mean. Now, I can't tell you how often I have heard that in my life. And what I get is, I'm not real safe in my family. Those are the people that often hate going to Thanksgiving dinner or having to show up for the family barbecue or the work picnic or the meeting. They just have a hard time with it. And the rest of the family sometimes can see them as weak or can't take a joke or they get their feelings hurt really easily and they're not seen as very strong. But what's interesting is those that don't use strength, those that don't use sarcasm as their strength, often have more love, more kindness, more sensitivity than those who constantly have to be sarcastic. So when you're looking at your own sarcasm, I want you to recognize whether you use it to push people away and hide behind it, whether you use it to emphasize your own insecurities in that self-deprecating kind of way, or you use it to express your anger and jealousy and feelings toward other people. How do you use sarcasm? It's really important that you stop and take a really good look at it because it's a window into your soul. And it also can make a huge change in how you do better with your relationships. For example, in your with your partner, if you were to stop and say, you know, I, I tease you all the time and I get sarcastic all the time. And I recognize listening to this show that Dr. Patty did that I, I think I use it in an unhealthy way. Have I ever hurt you with my sarcasm? The person might surprise you. Now, they might laugh and say, no, no, I'm sarcastic right back at you. And they might be. But when you are having a real conversation, meaning your real feelings, your real thoughts, your real fears, not your hidden ones, not the ones that you refuse to talk about, but the real ones underneath, even the hidden ones. Okay? Do you follow that? The ones we hide, we need to go below and be brave enough to talk about why we're hiding them and what's underneath there. If you can do that with your partner, then you build intimacy. So stop and think. Sarcasm precludes intimacy. It keeps you distanced from the people that you love. Hmm. Who wants to be loved more? Maybe all of us? I think it's true. All right, going to go to break. And when we come back, I want to talk to you about just how you can go about letting go of sarcasm. We'll be back in a minute.
Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patty. We're talking about sarcasm. Yeah, I was just reminded at the break, um, my husband that died rich had this thing that we used to call the CL, which was the courtesy laugh. And somebody would say something sarcastic or kind of mean or whatever, um, and he would do the CL. He'd go, uh-huh-huh, which was a fake laugh. And so whenever the family would hear him on the phone going, uh-huh-huh, we knew that somebody had some, said something he was trying not to be uh, too intense about, but he really didn't like it. <laughs> It's kind of funny. So what is what is your courtesy laugh? Do you have one? I bet you do. We all do. All right. So we're talking about how do you let go of sarcasm. For starters, I really want you to decide if you are a sarcastaholic. Okay. Got that? Do you use sarcasm in an addictive sort of way, and it's going to be very, very difficult for you to let it go? How often do you use sarcasm in your texts and your emails and your posts on social media or your Twitter, whatever. What do you do with sarcasm? How do you try to portray that it's sarcasm? What little emoji do you use? You know, there actually has been a a thing in writing that they've wanted to make an upside down or backwards, like an upside down exclamation point or a backwards question mark. And that was supposed to denote that it was a sarcastic phrase. It never really caught on. But they've tried to do that before. Um, also, people will put things in what they call scare quotes. Scare quotes is where um, you're taking a sarcastic word or sarcastic comment and you put it into quotes to show that it's a scare quote, not a real quote. And it's it's kind of interesting when we do that. So how do you use sarcasm? And are you a, a sarcastaholic that you have to use it all the time? So realizing that sarcasm is a subtle form of self-deprecating behavior is really important. Realizing that it is a veil for your anger and your jealousy and your resentment, the jars thing, jealousy, anger, resentment leads to sarcasm. Recognizing that is a really good first start. So how are you trying not to be real, not to say what you really feel with your sarcasm? Recognizing that is a really good first start. So when you are really talking about a person's heart or how you really feel about somebody or you're truly trying to express your love, why on earth would you even think of doing that with sarcasm? You instinctively will know that it will fall flat and it won't work. For example, would you ever use a whole lot of sarcasm in your wedding vows? No, because... It would be insincere, and you would be making a vow of your heart, right? So here's another really important question. Are you ready to outgrow sarcasm? Huh. Interesting thought, isn't it? If you use sarcasm as your way of talking, as your humor, as your interaction with most people, I'm asking you if you're willing to grow up. Oh, that probably got some really looks from the person you're listening this to this with. Who <laughs> whipped their head around and stared at you. Ooh, there's an insight. If somebody just looked at you like that, you probably use sarcasm a lot. So when I ask if you're ready to outgrow sarcasm, I'm asking if you're ready to really understand who you are and what you feel. 
So one of the first things you're going to do is notice who it is that you use sarcasm with. What relationships do you have that are characterized by sarcasm? Is it your fishing buddy? Is it the guys at work? Is it your spouse? Is it your teenage kid? Who are you sarcastic with? Some people will tell me, my sibling and I get together at Thanksgiving and the sarcastic comments just start flying. And I'll say, how do you feel about that? Well, I think it's funny. No, I'm asking how you really feel about that. Well, I can count on my sibling to be the one to notice that I've gained a few pounds. Or my sibling to notice that uh, I don't look happy. And they'll joke around about it in a sarcastic kind of way. Yeah, I'd rather they didn't do that. So when push comes to shove and people actually talk about how they really feel about sarcasm, they'll begin to express their vulnerability and how it wounds them. So when I ask you, are you ready to grow up and grow out of your sarcasm and drop being a sarcastaholic because you have thought of yourself as so witty and so bright and so intelligent that you can quip off a sarcastic remark at the drop of a hat, are you brave enough to be real? Hard question, isn't it? Are you brave enough to be real? So, I want you to notice, who do you use sarcasm with? Who are you tempted to joke around with? There's an insight into who you feel most insecure with. Because where you feel truly real and truly safe, you're going to say who you are, say how you feel, ask for support, uh, be light and airy if that's how you're feeling. You're going to be true and real. It's important, isn't it? Yeah. All right, so I also want you to recognize that sarcasm is a passive-aggressive way to express your anger. So if we go back to what I'm challenging you to do, when you are angry, instead of you starting to get sarcastic and quip off nasty little things and say what you feel without really saying it, I'm asking you to stop and say, what am I angry about? What am I really feeling? And then you have to choose. When you're grounded from sarcasm, like I'm talking about, You have to choose to either speak your truth straight up or practice silence. And if we look at the idea that practicing silence is something you can be proud of yourself about, it's really kind of cool. Like One of the things that I started doing a long time ago to myself is I'd say, Okay, Patty, who died and made you God? What makes you think you can say what you think to everybody and just be quiet? Keep it to yourself. And that helped me learn to start practicing silence. And I'm not perfect at it. I will make a sarcastic comment sometimes or I'll quip off something, you know. But more often than not at this age, I practice silence. I have a friend who says when he practices silence, every time he does it, he kind of gives himself a pat on the back and he kind of gives himself a point. And at the end of the day, he's kind of he's saying, did I get any points for practicing silence today? And if he's gotten a few points or he's gotten a bunch, he, he tends to say, hey, I did a good job being quiet. And it, I think that's kind of fun. Practicing silence is harder than you think. And the opposite of being a sarcastaholic is to know when to open your mouth and to when to keep it shut. So let's look at, at the really important part of getting ready to get rid of sarcasm, and to begin to use it like just a little bit of salt in the dish that you're making, not the whole bottle, 
all right? Just a little bit of salt that gives it a little bit of flavor. One way that you can use sarcasm is you make a rule to absolutely never, ever insult somebody with sarcasm. You never tell someone, ah, having a bad hair day, huh? Or something like that. You never tell, joke around with people about a physical attribute or their weight. You never joke around about um, a, a fellow student failing a test. Or uh, a girl I saw the other day in therapy told me that she got teased and bullied for having a flat chest. And people thought they were being funny. And she laughed. But when she came away, she felt really badly about herself. So... One rule for sarcasm, if you're going to use a little bit of it sparingly, is never to disparage somebody with your sarcasm. Okay, and here's a second rule. You don't get to disparage yourself with sarcasm. You don't get to joke around about your own fat butt or your thighs touching or the bad hair day or how you look old or how you wish you had the money for a facelift or any of the things that we all say about ourselves. Okay? You don't get to disparage yourself or anybody else. What does that leave you with, with sarcasm? If you can't disparage yourself or somebody else, huh, what does that leave us? Oh, it leaves us with the truth, right? So let's say you're feeling insecure about getting older, and you sit down with someone you truly trust, and you say, you know, God, I'm just having trouble looking in the mirror. I keep seeing my mother staring back at me. Whoa, when did that get so old? Oh, my gosh, how come we don't appreciate it when we're young and beautiful? And we just beat ourselves up. There was a real conversation, right? But you have to trust the person that you're talking to. So, telling your truth, not using it as a passive-aggressive way to express your anger. If you're angry, you have to tell the truth or you have to shut up. You either have to say, hey, I need to talk to you. That made me angry. A way to approach somebody is to say to somebody you trust and you love, hey, can I talk to you about something I'm feeling? This hurt my feelings or that made me angry or that made me really embarrassed when this happened. Okay? That's truth-telling and that's standing in your truth as opposed to making a sarcastic joke about it or putting yourself down or walking away If someone makes a sarcastic comment, you quip one right back at them and you walk away feeling like you've got a knife in your heart because it really, really hurt. So if you get anything out of this show today, people, what I want you to get is sarcasm wounds. It is a tearing of flesh. A little bit of it, when it is not aimed at yourself or aimed at someone else in a mean-spirited way, can be funny and can be witty. It works best In relationships that are current, in other words, there's not a lot of unsaid trauma that hasn't been resolved. So the relationship is healthy and current, and you can joke around a little bit. Don't do it too much. Don't put the person down. Okay? Leaves you with difficult things to be sarcastic about. Okay? But if you can move in this direction, you are going to be practicing more love in this world than more hatred. You're going to be practicing supporting others and speaking to their attributes and the things you admire about them without you being jealous or resentful. You're going to be promoting love in this world, not fear, not tearing someone down, and not lightening up a conversation when you had the opportunity to have a real heart-to-heart with somebody that will walk away going, 
Boy, that person was nice. They really heard me when I said what I was thinking or feeling. It doesn't always have to be super deep, you guys. But what if it were always super real? Sarcasm sarcasm isn't always super real. It's avoidance. It's distraction. And it's trying not to let anybody feel what they really and truly feel. Following it? I think you are. You guys are really smart. Listen, I love getting your emails sometimes that, that tell me how a show helped you. Or I've gotten, I, people have emailed me and said ideas of things they want me to talk about. You can go to drpatty at patriciabay.com. You can go to my website, patriciabay.com, and click on email Dr. Patty. I love to hear from you so that you can tell me what you like to hear and how how this has helped you. I just love doing this show because I've gotten feedback from people all over the world about how this is helping them grow. This is Dr. Patty, Dr. Patricia Bay, and you're listening to Therapy in a Nutshell. It goes into my podcast on any podcast forum called Therapy in a Nutshell Podcast, and I just want to help heal the world one hour at a time. The news from Town Hall is brought to you on KCNR Shasta Reading by Shasta Regional Medical Center. Your life, your health, your choice. Shasta Regional Medical Center.